is worship to Jesus. By him doing this, he brought attention to Jesus and not himself. I think of Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. Remember what John the Baptist said? When he said, he must increase and I must decrease. That's our daily task, is increasing Jesus. Increasing Christ in our life and decreasing ourselves. But we're talking about an attitude of worship, a posture of worship, which causes one to desire to become less that he might increase. You see several examples in Scripture. In Matthew 2.11, just listen to these, you don't need to make note of them, we're not going to turn to them. It says that when the wise men, we'll be talking about some wise men here in the next few weeks. And when the wise men had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and it says they fell down and worshipped him. And when they opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. They fell down and worshipped him. In Mark 3.11, when Jesus came upon the demon-possessed individual and these spirits, these demonic spirits, and it says that even the unclean spirits, these demonic spirits, the Bible says, when they saw Jesus, even they fell down before him and cried out, you are the Son of God. Now, they weren't crying out and worshiping him in the sense of, of valuing him. The Bible says that every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess, okay? But they were acknowledging his authority. They fell down. Uh, the woman who had the hemorrhaging of blood uh, and that was touched the garment of Jesus, it says in Mark 5, 33, the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what happened to her, came and fell down before Christ. Simon Peter, when he saw Jesus and the miracle of Jesus, And Jesus' actions, remember when Jesus said, uh, Peter, why don't you toss those nets out on the other side? Peter was like, look, I know you're a great carpenter. You know, I've read the reviews on, you know, whatever, Angie's List. I mean, I know you make some great stuff. But this is my wheelhouse. I'm the fisherman. But do you know what? I'm going to humor you. You remember the story? And, of course, the miracle. And Peter was less enamored at the amount of fish, because that was his livelihood, that was his income. And the Bible says that when Simon Peter saw it, saw the miracle of those, the miraculous multiplication of those fish in those nets, it says that he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You get the idea, is that thanksgiving that increases Jesus has a worship perspective. So what about us? Here we are in the season of thanksgiving. We should be thankful all the time, 52 weeks a year, not just once a week or once a year. We should be thankful all the time. But how does our thanksgiving, and I want to encourage you this morning that as we think about thanksgiving, think about thanksgiving that is worshiping Jesus. How are you doing in worshiping Christ? Are you bored? Or is, is it just kind of ho-hum? The Bible says in Colossians 1.18 that Jesus is the head of the body, the church, and that he is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything that he might have preeminence. That means that he might have first place in our lives. Does Christ have 
first place. See, this guy returned, even though he was, it says that as they were going, they were cleansed, they were healed, but something, I'm sure perhaps maybe he, he thought about his family. He was thinking about returning back to the job. He was returning about uh, going back to the synagogue and worshiping God. Whatever it was, something, thankfulness, stopped him in his tracks. And he said, wait a minute, i got to go back. i got to go back. And I need to see this man who did this. There was that act of thankfulness but it was thankfulness that was worshipful. I suspect the other nine were thankful, right? I'm sure they were very thankful, but they weren't worshiping Jesus. So their knowledge of Jesus didn't increase. When we worship Christ with a sense of thanksgiving, we're increasing our adoration, our wonderment of who Jesus is by being thankful, increasing Jesus Lift Jesus higher, the song says. So increase in worship. No, secondly, there was an intenseness. Thanksgiving that is intense has a worship perspective. What do I mean by intense? You ever met somebody and you just say, man, they're really nice, but they're real intense. They're real intense. It isn't that, you know, they just always, you ever have somebody that stare, you know, as you're talking and they don't blink, you know, you're, it kind of makes you uncomfortable. Isn't it funny how little things like that make us uncomfortable or somebody stands real close to you while they talk and you just kind of got a bat, you know, you get, you, get, you know, we got, we got our little quirks, right? But I'm not talking about that kind of intense. I'm talking about an intenseness that, that is more of a passionate it, 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 It's something that there's a sense that it affects us, this worship. This Jesus, the leper's thanksgiving is expressed in this second attribute of a worship perspective. In verse 16, the latter part, when he bowed his face to the ground. When he bowed his face to the ground. The face is the primary way that we identify with each other. And some of you just have to remember a few names. I have to remember everybody's name as you're coming out that door. And sometimes I go blank. Okay, so if you just see me say, hey, brother, you know, that's a great thing in church. Hey, brother, hey, sister. That kind of gets us away with a lot of, right? But, uh, but I'm, you know, try to keep at it. But our face, that's the way we identify. Say, well, if I, if I could just see their face, I would remember their name. Well, we, we, do all, we do all sorts of things to protect our face. Some of you put on an elaborate creams and lotions, I hope ladies, but, uh, you know, or if you have, you know, I better get out of that. Um, (laughs) When I was playing baseball, and every once in a while, every kid who plays baseball thinks they can be a catcher, until you're up there and you have a combination of the ball being thrown at you and a bat slinging over your head. And you realize that maybe this is not the place for me. But as a kid, I just want, I like the mask and the whole garb. You know, I just, you know, I wanted to look the part, but I didn't really want to, you know, like be there because that was like a dangerous spot, especially with some of the guys that I played with, you know. And, and, but we protect, we have face guards. You wear goggles if you're doing, you know, if you're a welder, whatever. We protect that face. But the leper, he didn't care. He, his face hit the ground as an act of humility in worshiping this Jesus. Jesus' feet, bowing his feet, bowing his face at the feet of Jesus is a place of not only intense need, but why not a place of 
intense worship. Listen to the scripture, Matthew 15, 30. It says, The multitudes came to Jesus, having with them the lame, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid this, these needs down at the feet of Jesus. In Mark 7, 25 and 26, a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell at his feet. And she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. She fell at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 8, 41, there came a man named Jairus, and he fell down at Jesus' feet, and he begged him to come to his house. John eleven thirty two. 32, when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet. You get the idea? So not only is our, our, our bowing our, our face and that action at his feet, it's not only a place of intense need, but it's a place of intense worship that there's a humility in bowing my face. I, we watching uh, this program in which it was uh, taken during a time in which the British controlled one of the, uh, I believe, in India. And so the way it was back in the uh, 20s and 30s and previous to when the India, the nation of India uh, got independence and uh, the, kicked the British out, basically. But they were, had this servitude mentality. And so all the Indian servants, anytime the British came around, they had their faces down. They weren't allowed to look at the face of the British monarchy or any of the British officials. It was a sense of way to keep the, keeping them in a servitude and a very humiliating Role there. We're not talking about that, but we're talking about a, a humbleness that we bow at the feet of Christ. And it says, the Bible says that he put his face to the ground. He bowed his face. There was a sense of, of, of a passion, of a heart, an intenseness. It wasn't just, oh, hey, I just wanted to give me the fist pump here. Hey, just thanks. Appreciate it. No. He fell down, bowed his face. He didn't know everything, but what he did know is that this man was different and it was worthy of his worship. There was a, there was a passion, there was an intenseness. These guys, or this guy, he had a heart. He wanted to come back and he had a heart. The Bible, Jesus said something really that fits right here. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, it's okay to think. And with all your strength. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, another way, consider why the importance of the heart. He said, there are those that draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. So it didn't just put on a religious show. And you go out and you... <laughs> you know, do whatever it is that you do that is contradictory to the expression of godliness and worship that you do here in the house. We're not talking about just putting on a religious act. And if you've been in church life for too long, you know how to do that kind of stuff. <coughs> Jesus said, there are those who worship, they, they draw near to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, they go through the motions, but their heart is far from me. Jesus wants to, uh, he's looking for worshipers that will worship him in spirit and in truth. And there's a third word, intimate. We're talking about Thanksgiving that, 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 that is worship, has a worship perspective because it increases a love for Christ. There's an intenseness, there's a, 
there's a passion, there's a, there's a heart sense of intimacy and worship, but it's also, uh, there's that intimate, it's intimate. It's, the third attribute is, is also related to this, this act of falling. He fell at his feet. He, he, the other nine, they, they were gone, but now he, he is at the feet of Jesus. There's not just an intenseness, but there's an intimacy. There's a sense where it's he and Jesus. This isn't just now a perfunctory obedience of the legal code to go and cleanse and present yourself to the priest. There's a sense of intimacy that he's connecting with Jesus in a relationship. He's thanksgiving. He's offering thankfulness to Christ in worship that, that has that that component that it's he and Jesus. Jesus has done something for him. Listen to what the word of the Lord says. Jesus said, Matthew 28, 9, that as they went to tell his disciples, Jesus met them saying, rejoice. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. That was intimacy. They, they, they held him by the feet and worshipped Christ. In Luke eight thirty five says that they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man whom the demons had departed. Remember the man that was in the cave there living as a demoniac and his family didn't want anything to do with him? And when they went and they found him, he had been delivered by Jesus. And what was, how, how did they find him? They found him sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. He was worshiping. He had a relationship with Jesus. You see, the other nine, they had kind of a religious encounter that really didn't do them any good. I mean, it did them good physically, but it really didn't make them whole. It didn't make them right before God. This man came back, and he had an intimate relationship with Christ. Uh, In Revelation 1.17, John, in this revelation of Christ, it says that when he saw this vision of Christ, he said, I fell at his feet as dead. There was that intimacy that when we come before Christ, when we worship him, and we're talking about thanksgiving worship, do we have religion or do we have that relationship? This thanksgiving, let our, your gratefulness be intimate with Christ. Don't take for granted the opportunity to kneel in thanksgiving to God. There's something even about in worship, when you read the Bible, talking about our posture, our kneeling, lifting hands. There's, there's something that I believe that God calls us to do, that when we kneel, when we bow, when we... It isn't that that act somehow makes us feel more religious. It's just that, again, we're, we're worshiping body, soul, and spirit. We're saying entire... Life of Tim Campbell, get an alignment and take God seriously by what you're doing. Not just, I lay me down to sleep and I pray my Lord to my soul to keep. We've got to get beyond that to where Jesus talked to me. Let me listen. Johnny Erickson Tata, some of you know that name who is on the radio and has written quite a number of books and Years and years ago, there was a movie that they did called Johnny about her life. She was injured in a diving accident as a quadriplegic when she was 17 years old. And she has prayed this prayer. 
She has prayed, Lord Jesus, I can't wait for the day when I will rise up on resurrected legs. And the first thing I will do on these resurrected legs is drop on grateful, glorified knees and worship you. Isn't that good? She desires to kneel in a moment of intimate thanksgiving right now. But she can't. She's a quadriplegic. But what about us who aren't quadriplegic? We can kneel. We can kneel in worship. We can have that intimacy. We can desire to do as she does and as that leper in this passage does. I skipped something that I thought was really good, a story that H.B. Charles is a pastor over in Jacksonville. And he told this story that uh, I just love it. And uh, he, he African-American pastor and uh, great preacher, H.B. Charles. If you want to look him up sometime, you'll enjoy his preaching. But he tells the following story about a woman he knew who showed up at church and prayed the same simple prayer, Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And she prayed that every week. The kids at church would kind of laugh and make fun every time she opened her mouth because they knew what she was going to say. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And finally, somebody asked her, why do you pray the same little prayer? And she said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab my daughter and uh, hide on the floor. And in that desperate state, all I know how to cry out is, Oh, Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and see that we're all okay, I say, Thank you, Jesus. And when i got to take my baby to the bus stop, and she gets on that bus, and I don't know what's going to happen to her while she's away, I cry, Oh, Lord. And then when 3 p.m. comes around, that bus arrives, and my baby is safe, and I say, Thank you, Jesus. So she said, those are the only two prayers I know. And when I get to church, God has been so good, I just put them together. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I love that. I love that. had to get that in there. Why didn't those other nine? We could go and talk to those other nine. Why didn't they come? What happened to them? Why didn't they come back? Maybe uh, the first one wanted to wait and see if the cure was real. He kind of, you know, wanted to check, wanted to see if this was a real deal or not. Maybe the second one waited to see if it would last. So he didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to overplay his hand there. The third one, maybe he uh, figured, you know what, I, I got some things I need to do and I'll see Jesus later. Maybe the fourth one decided that, you know what, I don't think I really ever had leprosy. Uh, the fifth one said, well, you know what, I was eventually going to get well anyway. Those pills I was taking, I was eventually going to get well and... It just kind of happens sooner than later. One said, uh, well, you know what? I, you know, the law says to go and present yourself to the priest, so you know, i got to give credit to the priest because they were doing their job. Uh, maybe the uh, seventh one said, well, I'm not sure Jesus really did anything for me personally, but the uh, eighth one said, well, you know what? Any rabbi could have done that. And the ninth one said, well... I was already improving before he touched me or saw me. I don't know what was going through their mind, but isn't it amazing the Bible records 
this one man who came back. And even when Jesus asked him the question, he says, wait a minute, wasn't there nine more and only one has come back and to say thank you, Jesus, to give credit to Christ? I wonder how about us this Thanksgiving? Are we including Christ in giving thanks? Are we prone to complain and whine? We can do a good job at whining, can't we? If what we don't have, and if I only had this, and remember the man at the pool of Bethesda? If only somebody would put me in that water, everything would be great. That's kind of us. If only I could have a better job. If I could only have a better car. If I could only do blah, blah, blah. And Jesus says, do you really want to get well? Or are you just going to spend your life spinning around by saying, if only, if only, if only. Do you really want to get well? This leper not only was healed physically, but he was healed spiritually. Thanksgiving is a time that we draw attention on giving thanks to Christ for cleansing us of our sin, our spiritual leprosy, our spiritual leprosy that only Jesus could take care of, only Jesus could make us whole, only Jesus could cleanse us, but we experience that relationship with Christ and we respond with worshiping and saying, Jesus, you're the only one that could do this. This would have been possible without your touch in my life. And I give you thanks. And I'm going to be more deliberate, not just turkey day, but I'm going to be more deliberate when I leave here that God, by your Spirit, stop my mouth in my tracks when I'm griping and complaining. I don't like my car. Thank you. I've got a car. Some of you don't have a car. And you'd be grateful to have the old jalopy or whatever it is that somebody else is griping and complaining about. How quick we are to complain and gripe when we have been given so much. And I'm not just talking about the physical. The greatest praise is what Christ has done for us. One last thought. One Thanksgiving season, a family was seated around their table, and they were looking at the holiday bird. And from the oldest to the youngest, they were expressing their thankfulness. They had a little precocious six-year-old in the family, and he began by looking at the turkey and expressing his thanks to the turkey, saying although he had not tasted it, he knew it was going to be good. And after that rather novel expression of thanksgiving, he began to kind of, as he saw the parents were and the family were kind of enjoying his little annex, he thought, you know, I would he'd kind of keep going here. And he began to, you know, kind of give more credit to more predictable uh, things like uh, thanking his mother for cooking the turkey and his father for buying the turkey. And, and then he went through with all that and then he started adding in a lot of other you know, benefactors that perhaps were linked to this turkey and wanted to give thanks to them. And he said, I thank you for the person at the, uh, the grocery store that checked us out. Thank you for that. Thank you for the grocery store clerk who checked out when we bought the turkey. And thank you for the grocery store people and who put it on the shelf. And thank you for the farmer who, uh, who raised it and fed it and made it nice and fat. And Thank you for the man who made the feed. And he just went on and on. And he thanked all those who brought the turkey to the store and the truckers and the all that went on and on. 
Everything from the turkey's origin to that plate, he kind of went through that list. And at the end, he said, did I leave anybody out? And he had a little brother. I think his brother was maybe four or so. And the little brother said, uh, God. <laughs> and in all seriousness, the little six-year-old says, well, I, I was getting ready to get to him. Aren't we like that? We don't want to just get to him. He's the reason that we have anything to be thankful for. He's the reason that we have something to give praise for, for the believer of what he's done to us, for us, in Christ.